It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports commerce and editor with Rick Roaring, my main man. Rick, hit it off. Skinny, Cincinnati smacked Xavier 62-47 in the annual Crosstown Shootout. Did that game say more about the Bearcats or the Musketeers, in your opinion? Yes. I, I, think, I think it said a little of both, right? I think right down said, the middle? I think it said UC is pretty solid, got some, got, got some good parts, and Xavier's got some work to do. I think that's what it said about both. Um, I don't think it says to me that if you played this game in three months that UC would be a 15, point, 15 points better than Xavier. But I think it shows Xavier they got some work to do. Um, they've got to figure out who they are, what they are, how are they going to attack offensively? How are they, who is going to do the attack? I mean, they they've got some things to figure out. Um, I still think UC can play with better pace, and if they do, I think they can they can keep getting better and better too. Uh, you know, Williams just he's just a just a freak of an athlete, and um, you know, Jennifer's played within himself, and and um, you know, Cumberland's Cumberland's going to be what he can be. But I think you get those guys running. I do think I think they got a chance to do some really good things and be maybe even better than what we thought, which was a you know an eight nine ten seed perhaps, and and keep inching their way up. I think their upside's good. I think Xavier's upside is really good, but Xavier's got to figure out who they are. Yeah, I would lean slightly towards Cincinnati. I think on this, and the reason is because, like you just said, we've got to figure out what Xavier is. Like right. Xavier doesn't know who they are. We don't know who they are yet. I know fans are really down, and understandably so, because that was an awful performance, yeah, quite honestly. It really and, was. And I think the worst part about it was. It looked like they gave up kind of in the final, like, I mean, it's seven, eight minutes, and they had a stretch where they just completely lost their composure and let it get to 20 and out of hand really quick. And it's like, when it's seven or eight minutes to go and you're only down by 12 against a UC team prone to droughts Correct. on offense, Correct. That, that's you've got to play. Right, that, that's, a, that's banging a couple threes. UC goes through a five-possession drought of not scoring because they do that. And suddenly you look up, it's a two-possession two game with four minutes to go. Right, and to see them give up, I think, was the worst part for right. the fans and the reason the fans were so mad, and understandably so afterwards. Um, the other stuff, the basketball stuff, I mean, they played a great first half, I think. I think Xavier was... Well, they played a great first well, half until about the last five minutes. And okay. I got a chance to watch it on the air. That was, that was the only cool part for me on the plane. I got a chance to watch the first half and the first half of the second half. You're right. I wouldn't say a great, uh, great first half, but they played the first half that they needed to play to be yes. in the game. They yes. didn't make shots, but they yes. did what they needed to do toughness-wise, defensively to keep UC under 30 that points in the first the half. That little felt like it started to get away from them a little bit. That's the only thing. Yeah, that, I mean, okay, I mean, th- th- this feels like it's turning quickly. That, that that certainly wasn't a great final five minutes, but they kept it within you know six points right, or whatever right. it was at, at the half. I thought they were in the game still and did enough. Then in the second half, it was just really, quite honestly, a bad effort all the way around. And, and the fact that they can't shoot, we knew coming into the season. Aside from that, though, I felt like Xavier, we just totally incomplete in terms of our answer on them right now. We have no idea. With UC, I feel like I don't know that they have much more upside oh, I than do. I originally See, thought. I do. But I, I was really impressed with what they did, and I think their upside may be as good as it ever is. Like, I think Mick Cronin kind of limited last year's team's upside, quite honestly. A team that had two NBA caliber right. players, and you look at what Gary Clark's doing in the NBA. Correct. He should have been a first-rounder, or at least right. I mean, yes. he shouldn't have been where he was drafted. And you look at what he's doing offensively from a skills perspective, and it's like, Wow, he had the upside yes. to be the kind of player yes. we thought he had to be all along when he first got there, and they kind of limited him to what he did offensively, playing sort of in the post more, not shooting many jumpers, not pushing the ball up the floor, and playing with pace and passing. So 
I think this UC team fits Mick Cronin so perfectly. You meant you mentioned See, you thought know, they who, could. But who do you go through? I don't know who do you continue to go through in the post. That's the only thing I don't. I don't know. So and if you but don't, they're not doing that. I know as that, much. but if you don't, though, I just don't know when you play higher level defensive teams if you can just keep grinding yourself in a half court. But who creates? Well, I mean that's that's a good question, obviously. But what you said is you thought they could play with more pace. Yes. I disagree. I think this is the oh, perfect McCrone okay, team. I, think I don't can. think they have the upside offensively. I Last just, year's I just team want to see Williams just keep running. I just want to see him run and jump and dunk. That's what I want to see him do. I agree with that, but I don't know that he has the feel and the skill Maybe not. to really create in the open court. I think what he does is he gets steals and easy runouts when he when he and, plays and, in transition. And offensive rebounds. He's absurd I, as an offensive rebounder. Fantastic absurd. as an offensive rebounder. And I think he can score a little bit in the half court by being tough and slashing but I don't know that he's a guy that you need to play faster for because of how skilled he is and what he's going to do if you get him moving and moving the ball around quicker I think he fits Mick Cronin perfectly I think this team fits Mick because you can grind them out and at the end of the day you didn't you don't want to play faster you want to limit possessions because you're well, not that talented offensively you don't shoot it, it that well and that part's fair I'm usually on the when I'm not as talented offensively I want to push pace and get some easy stuff because I realize I can't get stuff when I sit down in the half court the one thing though is if if they keep defending the way they defended, and, and they can definitely that, do that, and yeah, and I think that's the one thing. Then maybe this is the pace. Maybe maybe sixty two fifty five games are how they are going to have to win in the conference moving forward and whatever they do in the NCAA tournament. But the reason I would say this game said a little bit more about Cincinnati than it did Xavier to me is because. Xavier had a few opportunities, even right around mm-hmm. that 12, 10 minute mark of the second half where it started to get away from him. If you remember, Ryan Wellage came down and yep. like hit that big yep. three that brought it back down to I think ten or right, seven yeah, right or something like that. Yeah, right, yeah. And it felt like, oh wait, they're not they're not out of it yet. UC had an answer. Every time it felt like Xavier had a little bit of hope. Jaron Cumberland hit those two big threes yep. to kind of get it going. You had Keith Moore or uh, Trevor, Trevor Moore Trevor. rather um, hit that shot right at the end of the shot clock with guys in his face. That was just a demoralizing three uh, to go against Xavier. Seeing UC hit those type of shots, those are the exact type of shots you have to hit playing the way Mick Cronin wants to play. Grinding out in that burn offense, waiting until there's 15 seconds left in the shot clock before you even start initiating right. your offense. You need guys to make a few tough shots and a few big shots and big moments. We saw UC do, do that. I didn't know they had guys willing to do that other than occasionally Jaron Cumberland. The one thing is, um, I want to see this from UC moving forward because you still have the Mississippi State and UCLA. Mississippi State will be exceedingly tough, especially in Starkville. Um, you know, can you go down there and grind them out? Can you do something like that on the road? And, and look, I'm not taking away against from the a win. good team. Against a good team, Xavier's not a good team. team right now. No, they're not. They're not. Um, but I do want to get to Xavier. So, so what are they? What what can they be? I mean, you're around them constantly. You know it better than I do. I, I have no idea right now. I don't like, either. I Andy mean, Katz before the season had him ranked ninth in the Big East, and everyone called him an idiot for doing so. I don't know that he's an idiot for doing yeah, so. I just, like, I don't could, know what to make of the Big East either. By the way. I think it's really bunched together. It is. I mean, but I don't think it's bad at all. No, I think no, no. it's pretty I just don't think there's, there's just not a a a in terms a of depth top team or, or or top two teams like they've had. Anyone could beat anyone. Correct. I mean, DePaul could beat Villanova, and yes. it wouldn't be a shock. In fact, yes. they've lost to two DePaul like teams yeah, already that, this yeah, year. No, that's so silly. That's almost like saying Penn could beat Villanova. That's silly talk. <laughs> or oh, Furman. Oh, or Furman. Wait a minute. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's so about silly that. Talk. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for Xavier, it's just we don't know at this point, right? Like, they could still be a competitive team, finish mid-level, 4, yes. 5, 6 parts. in the Big East, and be the last team in the tournament, maybe. 
that's looking a little more doubtful now just because of the resume. They didn't get anything done in the non-conference. So now it, they're really going to have to finish probably above 500 in conference play, and that seems unlikely. That seems hard. I don't know if it seems unlikely. That seems hard. One thing you used, you said about last year's team in the last couple when, when you had Trayvon Blewett, J.P. McCura, is those guys, it didn't matter if they were going in and playing the Golden State Warriors. It didn't matter who they were playing. They were ultimately confident in what they were, who they, what they could do, even if their confidence was misplaced, wrong, and stupid. I, I don't... I don't know where this team is in that regard, and, and you got to wonder if it starts to get starts to snowball in a bad way. Do they are they able to just kind of gather and go? All right, last night happened. The next game is the next game. We have to get ready for it. Or does it, man? What was us? Because it felt like that on Saturday. I think the bigger problem with that is is one they're not skilled or talented enough to play that way. That's fair. Because the part of that came with being all that confident is because they were good. You play a little casual at times. Yep. You take some plays off. You rely on being able to make a fifteen zero run. And I've been harping this on the message board a lot. I think sort of the Chris Mack style of let your players play through mistakes, even if it means you get a little less buy in mm-hmm. and a little less discipline, was his way of my guys show up in big moments. I put confidence in my players I let them play through mistakes because it teaches them how to play with feel and and they have the confidence to step up when the bright lights are shining and that's why we win big games in the tournament on the flip side you've got like the perfect contrast watching Mick Cronin's team play on Saturday and kick Xavier's ass systematically by being tough and him micromanaging every possession possession. and him yanking every one of his guys out as soon as they make a mistake that's how you play ultra tough on every possession and you get that type of reputation as a program but you can't concede in any area, if you want to be elite in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be the way Mick is, and that's why his teams are that way. And, and so, from the Xavier perspective, I just think, like, those guys right now, they may have that confidence, or at least they're trying to play like they do. They can't be as casual about things as Trayvon and JP were, because that fit them offensively. They could do that. They weren't great defenders anyway. These guys are built to be good defenders, but they're not defending right. like it because they're right. taking plays off and they're being casual, and then they're not making the shots down on the offensive end. And I think now at this point, 10, 11 games in, you are seeing the confidence fade because it, it's not working. They're not making the shots, and, and the guys aren't playing well offensively. So something needs to change, and I think the biggest thing is you need your leaders to step up and be leaders. No and question. so far, Quentin Gooden, Najee Marshall, they haven't been that. Paul Scruggs is starting to emerge in that regard, mm-hmm. and he's making good decisions and really making winning plays. You need that ju- both like in practice vocally from Quentin and Najee, but you also need it just in terms of how they're playing. Yeah. Um, last, I'll leave you with this. As Xavier concludes kind of the non-conference schedule, what, what, what do you need to see just in terms of – I don't even know about wins. What, what, what do you need to see just – Something different, something better. I don't even know what, what to put put a finger on. Just just what I said. Yeah. You need toughness and leadership from those guys. You need to see guys play all out on every possession, whether they make shots or not. It doesn't matter at this point. Like We know they're not great offensively. Their wins are going to be ugly a lot of the time, but they have to get every loose ball, get every defensive rebound, play hard on the offensive glass, draw fouls, like all of that. And if they miss some threes, that's fine. Fans want them to stop shooting threes altogether. I don't <laughs> think that's a good strategy. Like It's 2018. you uh, yeah, you yes. got to be a threat at least from out there and the other team has to at least think you'll shoot an open three even if you're going to brick them so that would be my my thing is just look for them to play tougher and and with more effort I will say that the atmosphere sounded really cool on Saturday just just watching it it on TV it sounded really cool look UC fans wanted that win understandably so and it felt like that and good for them it was a fun atmosphere to be in and it like they've got a cool new arena the uh, jumbotron and all the lights the place lights up like crazy not supposed to be nice you can be civil but they're not supposed to be nice no I have no problem like people were getting worked up about students chanting stuff no that's part of this rivalry and it's fun when it's like that I was you felt it every loose ball every foul call every made basket every steal every block 
o'clock, like the fan base jumped to their feet and were screaming for every play. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Rick, Major League Baseball's winter meetings taking place this week in Vegas. Already the Reds have been reported to be in trade talks for the Dodgers, Yasiel Puig, the Indians, Corey Kluber. Um, there's a couple of others that I'll touch on, too. How would you describe what the Reds' strategy should be this postseason in terms of acquiring players like that or any players? Yeah, I mean, I, I think any players is kind of the thing here. I, I want them to be looking towards the future, obviously. And what I mean by that is... I don't mind necessarily if they take a guy that they feel can help them now, but as long as it's either for a short time span where you're not investing a long-term money plan into him, you're just saying, hey, he's a stopgap for now until we sort of figure out what we're doing with a few of these young guys. So in that regard, maybe Yasiel Puig is that type of player. I don't know, like... He's a, he's a fairly he's, exciting he's, he's name. Interesting. He's interesting. He's an exciting name that fans will be interested in. He doesn't put butts in seats or anything if you're a losing ball club. But he's at least yeah. interesting enough that you'll write about him and you'll get a little sizzle from your off-season work that you did. Fans will give you a little credit for going out and getting a name that they recognize. And and if like you're not signing, you're not locking in long term to right. him. Then I feel like okay, he's he's a stopgap until you figure out what you're going to do with that young outfield after getting rid of Billy Hamilton too. I would say this in that ballpark, man, it feels like he could be a 35, 40 home run guy. I, I mean, he was hitting Dodger think. Stadium for goodness sake. Well, and and he did he did okay last year with the Reds' new hitting coach, who they hired yes, away from correct, correct. From, from the from Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, that's correct. You know, the the other part for him that 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 I, I think that the Reds need is. You know, you've got a left-handed bat in Winker. You got a left-handed bat in Shebler. It depends on where you play Senzel, and he might play some outfield too. I think you need another right-handed bat in the outfield. I mean, he makes some sense. The pitching stuff is interesting because it, it's. You, I think you need to be looking for bang for buck. I mean, I, I, I there's there's one name out there that that, that got banded about. I, I saw on Twitter for a little bit yesterday it was Jay Happ, who um, is 35 years old, has been really good. In fact, he's been better at the, the at the last seven eight years of his career than he was. He was really good when he first came up with the Phillies, then kind of hit a lull with some arm issues, and then the last five six seven years he's been really really good. But he's 35. Most teams are offering him a two-year deal. I saw a, a report that said if somebody gives him three years, first team that does it, he'll sign. Talking 11 to 13 mil a year. Are you going to really lock up a 35-year-old no. guy? with the, See, that's, that's the thing. If the Reds pass on a guy like that, does that make them look cheap and not trying? Or is that a prudent decision? I don't think I think they should be kind of cheap and not trying right now. Like I said, I agree. I we, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I don't, don't want you to go so cheap that it's we're taking a bargain basement reclamation arm or we're just we're going to rely on our young guys from our crappy farm system, any of that stuff. I, I need some bang for, for buck, and I don't know. It's hard to quantify that because you're going you're gonna to see names and you're going to look up his numbers and go, ah, but you got to look at bang for buck here and kind of stopgap your way through this. Like we said in, in a podcast, maybe the last one or the one before that, I want more Scooter Jeanette type guys. Yes. I want you to find the young guy who find maybe hasn't guy. hit it yet. Maybe he's been toiling around a little bit from team to team or he just he had a good year or two but hasn't been consistent yet. Find me as many guys like that as you can that have some upside going forward that could be a part of the solution when some of these younger prospects are ready to really change your ball club. Because I think you agree with me. They're not there yet. No. So I don't think they should be looking at investing in anyone long term. If you've got a guy like a Yasiel Puig or something that fits kind of what you need right now, sure. and they're only for one or two years and you're not investing a ton of money, and that's not my money. I don't really care how yeah. much you pay the guy as long as it's not yeah. a long term investment handicapping you in the future. Yeah, Yasiel Puig gets you to Taylor Trammell if he's the right guy coming from double A to triple A to then the majors in two years. That, that, that's what I'm, I'm looking for that guy that can, can give you a little bang for the buck now. Maybe you look up and, and holy cow, he's 
done even better than what we thought because he's in this ballpark swinging the bat, kind of like Scooter Jeanette. Yasiel Puig reminds me of that to some degree. Not just because he's an exciting name and he says some goofy stuff and he does say a lot of goofy stuff. I, I think that's the kind of guy I'm looking for. Pitching-wise, it is. It's, it's one of those where if you're not going to get a big name, big money, fans are going to yawn at it. But if you think you're making the prudent decision for the short term and for long term, I'm going to have to be okay with that. I got to have something, though. I got nothing right now, right? I got nothing. Yeah, and I didn't expect anything this soon. I think these things seem to be taking longer and longer the more we go. And I don't know if it's because of how many rumors get out there yeah, now on social yeah, media. And yeah. So much That's talk fair. happens in the first few days. But it does seem like nothing really happens until you go in a little bit. I mean, there's been a few. Andrew McCutcheon signing, obviously. Right, but right. Uh, for the most part, a lot of teams are still looking around right now, I think. Yep. Skinny Reds new manager David Bell said he is open to using pitcher Michael Lorenzen in the outfield in a very limited role for additional flexibility off the bench. One, do you like this idea? And two, do you believe we'll actually see it happen? Or is he just saying this because, you know, fans think it's an interesting idea and it's fun to say? Well, I, th- I, th- I think we could see it happen. I think David Bell wants flexibility. I mean, he's talked about Nick Senzel and wanting to make him be flexible, of you know, playing some infield, playing a little bit of outfield perhaps. I think he wants to be kind of like the Cubs where one day a guy's playing third, one day a guy's playing second, one day a guy's playing left, and you have that kind of flexibility. And I think for Michael Lorenzen, Look, I think you can pinch hit him, right? You can pinch him in the seventh inning of a game. And let's say he has a good at bat or whatever, the way the whole double switch stuff works out, however that is, and maybe you have to play him in the outfield for an inning. I think you can get away with that for an inning or two. I'm not asking him to play a full nine-inning game out there, but if it's late in the game for a couple of innings, I'm okay with that. I think it's. I think it gives you more flexibility. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing is he can run. Like, the, yeah. that guy can really run, no, right, too. Correct. So you can I mean, use him as a, a lot pinch of runner things. in certain yes. situations, which they've done in the past occasionally when they've kind of been down on the on the roster. But, I mean, I, I like this idea, first of all. I think even using it, planning on using him occasionally yes. if you need, like, hey, we're really struggling out there. We're just going to throw him out there for a start. We're going to give him a day as as our starting it, it, outfielder. It, it, maybe. Like, I mean, He's the, a talented enough athlete that I honestly think he could pull that off. And who knows? Maybe you find out. He should just be an everyday outfielder. Maybe. Maybe he's that good I, of a hitter. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I maybe. Don't, I don't either, but I'd like to, like, at, at this point, again, you're not going to well, win next year uh, anyway. Here's the thing. Let, let's face this, too. On, on what, He's going to be a longer reliever, right? So he's a two and a third inning kind of guy. Who it's gonna, you're, you're probably not going to wheel, you're definitely not going to wheel him back the next day, and you may even give him a day after. Well, so what does that guy do on your roster for those two days? He that's, just sits there. That's my what point. What can he do in those two days? He can be your one pinch runner. He can be one of your top right-handed pinch hitters. He can maybe go in and pinch hit and play the outfield for an inning or two. No, I, I think it's a, I think it's I think it's a smart idea to do. And if you're really willing to use him in this role, it also allows you to keep an extra pitcher on your roster, probably saying, "Hey, Lorenzen is a bench guy for us too. Like, yes. We're going to use him yes. in both roles, so we'll keep an extra pitcher around too." Yeah, and that, that be- kind of goes with your theory of how they need to be flexible yes. with how they're using all their arms. Yes, no question about it. Bengals Rick lost 26-21 to the Chargers on Sunday. Jeff Driscoll going 18-27 for 170 yards and a touchdown. Did not turn the ball over. Also had a touchdown run wiped out by the the goofy rule. Um, has he shown you anything worthwhile since he's become the starter? No, not really. Um, See, I disagree. I think he's done some good things. But that being said, I don't think anyone could really show me much at this point and where this team is at. Now, has he has he done a, has he made a play or two where it's like, oh, okay, there's some potential there? Sure. But like am I going to say, oh, Jeff Driscoll's a guy they really need to look into? No, he looks a lot like AJ McCarron to me in the, not Ooh. not in the terms of I how he's got better arm strength. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, not in terms of the fact that he's the same type of player. Like they are definitely different body types and their strengths are different. Right. But in terms of how I feel about them, no, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. That being said, 
I think next year should be a rebuilding mode year for this team anyway. If they're willing to part ways with Andy Dalton, or I mean, it's not like they need to do that right now. No, they but can, if, if, the, if, if you decide to reboot and you think there's somebody in the draft and you think Jeff can bridge you to that guy, I'm willing to give him a year, deal, and you can deal Andy for for something. I'm willing to do that too. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I've seen enough. For, I've seen enough of him to make me say I mean, that he, he's made a couple of really good down the seam throws. Now he's gotten some receivers blown up. But I tell you, in that league, in the league, you got to make catches as a receiver. And you saw Cody Core made a tough catch down the seam. You saw Tyler Boyd make a ridiculous catch. You saw CJ Uzama make an absurd catch down the seam. You got to trust your guys to make plays, and he made good throws on those plays. I'm almost the ilk of cut him loose a little bit more. Let him throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Let's what see he, what he can do. What have you got to lose? Nothing. I mean, you might as well be giving this guy some opportunities. I think the most impressive thing he did was the play he got called, the touchdown that got wiped away, yeah. where he avoided that sack in yes. the backfield. And then almost ran in the end zone. Kind of showed you his athleticism how he sort of high step dodged that, well, the, that sack the, the other one too on the third third and long he scrambled and he had, a, he had outrun a linebacker around the corner to get there and i'll tell you he showed some 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 quicks he can move yeah this guy this guy can really run so i wouldn't be opposed to seeing him start next year but again i don't I'm not. I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's a future star in this league or a guy no, that was waiting to break out. I think he's shown that he's capable of playing in the league, whether it's a starter role or a backup role. I still don't know yet. It more leans to a backup, but he's not a guy that you're like. He's Nathan Peterman. He, this guy can't play. No, I think he. I think he can play in the league. That's fair. Skinny. It's time to take a look at some of our lines. And with college basketball season coming up, obviously we don't have the lines the day of the games. I mean, they Correct. don't come out until the day of the game. Yeah, the so we day, don't have the them when we record. They come out the day before. Overnights is what they call them. So right. There you go. Yep. And we don't have them when we're recording. So we're just going to use Ken Palm as spreads and totals. I like it. Kind of use because it's usually fairly close anyway. Okay, I like it. So we're going to do that uh, all college basketball season. And on Saturday, there's a lot of college basketball locally, starting with Eastern Kentucky at Xavier. Xavier is giving 18 the total. 162. What do you think about that one? I'm going under, although EKU has played at a fast pace. They just came off a win uh, over NKU on a last-second shot. They've won a couple of three games this year, I think, on last-second shots. Um, I'm going to take EKU plus the point. Xavier wins it comfortably, but 18 seems like a lot for a team trying to find itself right now. Absolutely right. There's no chance Xavier wins this game by 18 unless they completely change the way they've played through the first. I mean, again, they played a a pretty darn good game against Auburn, I'd say. Yes. They played a really nice at least half against Illinois. Um, and then they played good against a Miami of Ohio team that, you know, doesn't it doesn't really impress I think you. they're better, though. Miami's better. We're going to get to that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you're not better. impressed about Correct. beating a MAC team in Correct. that way. You expect And, and that's it, the thing. So. And maybe that's the not, – not to dwell on what we talked about earlier. Maybe, unfortunately, we're hanging our hat on where we think this Xavier team can go based on that one game with Auburn. And let's face it, you can't do it just on one game, right? And that, that's my fear is maybe I'm doing that too and looking, hey, man, look how they competed with Auburn. Yeah, maybe Auburn just didn't have it that day too. I, I don't think that was the case, but I, I hate to do that sometimes. So, yeah, for right now, Xavier can't be an 18-point favorite over anybody. Yeah, well, I think the one thing about that Auburn game is it played to Xavier's strength. Yeah. It sped them up, and the way to beat Auburn is to beat them off the dribble one-on-one, just yeah. go straight to the rim. Don't work the ball around. Yep, don't just shoot go right jumpers. Go yep. straight to the rim. And Xavier did that. They went straight dribble drive. They didn't even set ball yep. screens. They just went to the rim, and it worked. So it fit their strength. Yes. You see bogging it down, yeah. packing it, and making them shoot threes. Definitely, and you're, and you're not getting to the rim there. Yeah, UC at Mississippi State, a big one. UC is getting five in this game, skinny, uh, according to Ken Palm, obviously, and the total is one twenty nine. What do you think about that one? 
If you see gets five, and I don't think that'll be the actual line. I guess it could be. I think it'll be more like two and a half. Yeah, but if you see got five, I think I'd take UC. I, I think it, it'll be a close, grinded out game. Mississippi State is really, really good. UC has not uh, played a true road game other than what Vegas, if I'm if I'm right. Yes, that's the only true think, road game. I don't game. think Vegas is all that great. No, and, I don't and they, they had to grind there, but I think UC gets a big confidence boost off what they did from Xavier. I really do. They got a whole week. Um, to practice, uh, to get yourself prepared. Some of that, obviously, I think they're in finals and all that, that stuff. That that always takes effect. Uh, I'll take UC in the points, and i got to take under. UC on the road is, is not getting out of the 60s against anybody. No, it's definitely the under here. By the way, I'd stay away from the points total uh, EKU and Xavier. I don't like 162 at all. I could see that going either way. UC at Mississippi State, i definitely take the under. Plus five. I take UC on the points. I do not like UC to win this game. No, I, think I think it's I like close, the points, and I think yeah. they lose. I like the points. Um, yeah, if it's like two and a half, it gets more interesting. See, that's I don't where you, sometimes you got to look at this. You go, okay, it's a seven-point game late, and Jaron Cumberland's going to bang a garbage three to, to have UC lose by four. Yeah, and I don't know that it even it even gets that out of hand. I think it's a close game the whole way. Second yeah. half, kind of like that UNLV finish fight. was. Yeah, definitely a rock fight. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because, Skinny, UC – is only an underdog, according to Ken Palm, in three games the rest of the way. That's impressive. That's this game at Mississippi State, then at Houston, at UCF. If they win this one, at Houston, at UCF... Or win a bowl. I mean, they're win a bowl. Without a doubt. Yeah. Especially at UCF. I don't believe they'll beat UC. I don't know. I I still think they got some nice parts. They got nicer parts than they've had. Agreed. The Dawkins kid really helps a lot. Yeah, but his old man really hurts a lot. So We'll see. You want the kid that helps or the pop that hurts? (laughs) All right, NKU is hosting Miami on Sunday. The The Norse are giving seven, yeah. total 143. What do you think? I was disappointed in the EKU loss. Maybe I shouldn't have been. Well, Jalen Tate didn't play again. I know that. I, I, I realize that. I'm still disappointed. Still disappointing loss. Yes. Um, I'll take I'll take Miami. I think Miami's actually played a decent schedule. I don't think they win it, but the, but the seven points... I think NKU's kind of been in and out, and some of that's been injury-related. I even think when you get guys back, then you got to have another game or two to work that guy back into the flow, back into the mix, back into what you're doing. Um, and I think I like the over here because I think NKU will score, and I think Miami, Miami's shown it can score a little bit too. they got a couple. Disabondi's pretty good. Point guard Ringo gets him in their stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll take Miami in the points. NKU gets the win, though. Yeah, and Delonte Brown, 6'7", shooter, yeah. freshman. That's yep. athletic yep. too. He's going to be a tough matchup for NKU. I tell you what, if... If NKU wasn't on a two-game losing streak already, and so I feel like they'll be locked in and focused and happy to get yeah, back home enough. and feel good about themselves because of that, had, if there wasn't other circumstances, I would think Miami would win this game without Jalen Tate playing wow. for NKU. That being said, I think NKU is going to come in locked locked in. I don't think Jalen Tate will play. I hope not, at least. I want him to be just get healthy. And that's the funny part. You look at it as a two-game skid, right? One of them is against UC. You're not supposed to win that game. You right. weren't favoring that game. And EKU is, is better, and it's at their place, and they're still... I think the Ohio Valley overall is probably a little bit better than the Horizon, a little bit overall. So I, yeah. I you know, I it sometimes that stuff happens. So I, maybe you know, you look at it, you're like, oh man, they're they're really struggling. Maybe they're not. Maybe they just got beat on a last second shot and they got beat by a better team. Well, the fact of the matter is, the Horizon League's a one bid conference. Correct. Going to the tournament. Correct. So you don't really care about your non conference resume while right, no, you want right. to win every yeah, game. Sure, sure. It really doesn't mean anything at all until you get into conference play so that lost EKU doesn't mean anything this game to Miami really doesn't mean anything other than you you don't want all of a sudden start to have some real negative momentum as you get towards conference play of course we're getting not. there like I said you want to win right. every game but I'm saying in terms of like worrying about a resume it doesn't matter so I don't want to see Jalen Tate back until he's 
beyond healthy. Fair. Yeah, it's uh, smart. Because you want him yes. in conference play. Yes. So I don't think he'll play, but I do think NKU will pull this one off in a close one. Uh, fans will be sweating it out, but I think they get it done, and I like it to go over that 143. Yeah, I was with you on the total. All right, then Utah at UK. Cats are favored by 14, total 146. Richie going to play, Ralph? Who's Richie going to play tonight? Oscar? <laughs> This is Clem from Harlan County. Clem, how are you, boy? I just want to know why Cal won't teach the boys to shoot free throws. Does he run them in practice? Does he run them hard? Um, right now, Kentucky is a mess. I, I think they're a now. I will say, not in a good. Spot. Seton Hall made some big time shots down the stretch of that game. I mean, they made some shots that were silly, um, but they made them. And and it goes on Kentucky's three point resume, right? That they've just struggled to defend it. Um, it felt like they're very one-dimensional now on offense where it's thrown into P.J. Washington and hopefully P.J. makes a play in the lane. And that's fine because he makes a lot way. of them. And the occasional Keldon Johnson highlight play. Yes, correct. But other than that, there's just not a lot of consistency there. If you're going to give me that many points, Utah's not great. Um, but I'm going to take the 14 points, and I will probably lean towards the I'll lean towards the under in that one. Kentucky is a mess, but because they are coming off that loss – to Seton Hall, and they're returning to Rupp Arena, I think they blow Utah out. I don't think there's a contest. I don't know that UK really figures anything out. I just think they play hard after yeah. a couple tough practices and kind of, you know, just coming off a loss again. And you're playing at home. They're pretty tough in that building. I think they blow Utah out when comfortably past that 14 mark. And uh, I'll take the over because I think UK will just score a lot. Okay. Fair enough. They are a mess, though, and, and they've still got Carolina and the Louisville game, which looked like before the year with the mess that kind of Chris Mack inherited, um, was going to be just an easy rollover. It's not any longer. It's going to become a big, big game. Tell you what, Louisville has the chance to uh, have some pretty nice wins yes, stacked they do. up here in Chris Mack's first non-conference really slate. I mean, it's one of them is the team that Kentucky just lost to. Seton Hall, I don't think that's a nice win, but it's a, it's a it's solid, solid win. win. It's a solid and win, and yeah. he, he had trouble with Kevin Willard all the time in the Big East, yep. so that's, that's a nice win for him in that regard, and also beating a Tom Izzo isn't, isn't, isn't bad. bad. That's not a bad scalp to have. All right, Skinny, it's time to take a trip around the nation. Some national One more. We got one more. You missed one. You missed one. Oh, I'm You missed the NFL game. You Let missed me. the NFL game. And a lot of people are going to miss that NFL game on Sunday. Here's my question for you. All right, the, the line is, and I've got it here, Bengals are a three-point favorite over the Raiders with a total of 46. My big number for you, Rick, I was in that stadium on Sunday in L.A. They, they, 25,000 was the attendance. It was allowed 25,000. I know the Bengals will announce more than that because they will have more tickets sold than that. But in real, in when we look at that stadium and you estimate a crowd when you're watching it on your television, over under will they have more than twenty five thousand butts in seats? I think they'll have like twenty eight thousand. Right, I think so they'll be right over. under thirty. So you're, you're yeah, going over. I'll go over. Good part 25. is the temperature's supposed to be in the in the what high forties. So that's yeah, a perfect. There'll kind just of a be football. enough drunk people there. Yeah. Probably, probably that they paid for it, so they're going to show will, up. And, and there's a, there's some of them that will go because they just want to boo. They just want to unleash one more yeah, wrath wear on Marvin. Bag over their yep, head. Do some stuff on Marvin. I, from the game itself, go ahead. I I will say I think the Bengals. Unfortunately, I do think they just win this game. I do just because Joe Mixon is so damn good. Yes, and yeah. that's really the only reason. The Raiders aren't any. And good. it's staggering that they figured out finally get him as many touches as you can physically give the guy. He got 30 touches and he was great. He was great. I mean, and the numbers don't lie. When he gets 20 or more rushes, a game, or 17 or more rushes a game, they, they were 5-0. and this, this was the first time they lost with him getting that many. And let's face it, they probably should have won because they gave Joe Mixon a bunch of touches. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. The Raiders are terrible. I, the the, the Steelers loss 
or the win over the Steelers, I think, is more of an indictment on where the Steelers are than just to tell you that, that suddenly Oakland has found something. They're not very good. Derek Carr's been sacked 43 times. He nickels and dimes. Yeah, I, the Bengals, I think, figured out a little bit of things on defense on Sunday against the Chargers. Um, went to a little more press man, and, 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 and really, I thought, were more effective doing that. Uh, yeah, I think the Bengals actually win this comfortably. It, it'll be a swan song for Marvin, perhaps, for home. Maybe they carry him off on their shoulders. What do you think? You think the players buy into doing that? They're playing for his job. Playing so for his job. See how they've inspired they've been win the last one for five Marv. weeks. Win one for Marv. Yeah. How about you? Who you I'll got? T- I'll take the Bengals in the over. All right. Good deal. We're on the same page. All right, Skinny. Time to take a trip around the nation. Uh, some national stories of interest. The Chicago Bulls suffered their worst loss in franchise history on Saturday night, losing by a jaw-dropping 56 points to the Boston Celtics. On Sunday, the Bulls refused to practice and were reportedly close to not showing up to the facility at all. Boy, God. In the end, the players decided to report to the practice facility but refused to practice. Instead, they held multiple meetings, one with just players, and one that also included the coaching staff. Yeah, it also doesn't appear that this will be the end of the issue. According to a report from Vincent Goodwill, the Bulls players have already filed a report with the Players Association over Jim Boylan's tactics. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, how right. much control? Like, the, here's the supposedly thing. he put them through some conditioning stuff. I don't know if he did it and walked through. If he did it on a day before practice where and they was, thought it was too hard on them, he and sub- he was running three hour practices or something. Yeah. And that's a little that's a little much. But look. Your team is terrible. You're you're awful. He's trying to push buttons with you guys, trying to get you to do something, anything. One player was said he was embarrassed that they sub five for five. That's embarrassing to me. Yeah, you should be embarrassed to wear a bull. You should be embarrassed. You're getting both raised by fifty six points in cash and a check, bro. That's what's embarrassing. And because a coach is trying to push your button, you're gonna boycott. What a bunch of weak ass. I'm glad you edited yourself I did. with your own sound effect. I did. I, I The word I was going to say was really bad, and I had to cut myself short. That was like short. in the early 2000s when you'd be listening to Kiss 107 or The Wiz or something like radio that. Radio edit. Yeah, and they'd have to edit, but they'd do it with sound effect. Like, yes. boing, boing. Yeah, boing. Yeah. Or, or radio edit. That was my radio edit yeah, right That there. was even older. Yeah, that was like back in yeah. the 80s. Kid Rock 90s, got, got the radio edits uh, on, on his. That sounds no, right. I mean, Look, if this was a team that was winning and, and it was just one bad game and a drop in the bucket that happens over the course of 82 games or in college occurs over the course of 30 games or even high school occurs over the course of, of 30 games, okay. But you guys suck. Fred Boy, Fred Hoiberg got fired for a reason. I don't think it was because he was a bad – just he had to go, right? I mean, it's just, they were awful. So Jim Boylan decides he's going to try to push some buttons. And, and because you don't like it, you're going to complain about it? To hell with you. I just get rid of a whole bunch of them. Well, here's the problem. You can't be Jim Boylan, who no one respects, who none of these players I don't respect care those about. players. That's fine. But regardless, they're making millions, they're in the NBA and they're adults. They're not going to respond. Then act like an adult. Do they're, your job. But they're not going to respond to some football guy coming into the locker room and being a hardo and deciding they're going to like beating them up physically is a way to get them to play harder when they know their bodies are an investment and what earns them money. They're not going to take well to that skinny. It's 2018. This isn't Bobby Knight's era. It's not going to work for guys that are making millions of dollars off their knees and ankles and feet. They're not going to get a stress fracture running three hours a day of a game for your dumbass. Yeah, and I don't know if it was a walkthrough. That's the thing. I don't know if it was a walkthrough if it was the day before a practice. It doesn't matter. They don't have many off days. That, like, period. I, I if you're running a three-hour practice of hard conditioning, they're playing a game that day or the next day. Like, Probably. You don't have yeah. like multiple off no, days you don't. in the NBA. Maybe, maybe two in a row is the most. And you're also traveling a yeah, lot. there's that. 
So it's honestly ridiculous. No, like this isn't but, this isn't a respected guy who has this locker room and is going to get but, but, a response. Okay, so out how about of this. a player though saying that we're embarrassed to be be a sub for five for five? The five aren't playing well. I got yeah. a whole bench full. You I, five go. I disagree with that, and I think this is a problem. I do it all the time. You have with coaches, and this kind of like. It's interesting because we've been talking about this with Xavier this week after, like, why don't these guys who are supposed to be able to be good defenders and theoretically with their athleticism and their length and toughness and all that, they should be good defenders. Why don't they defend well? Why can't they be elite? Like, is it accountability? I mean, you wonder, is that accountability? Is it? Well, and listen, I'm going to give you one good, you got a chance for one good, if you don't rotate properly, if you don't, if you're not physical on a drive, if you don't take a charge, all those things, if you don't do those things, I'm giving you one possession to do it right. If you don't, in goes the next guy. I do believe that actually is a big part of it. And we were talking about it before with Chris Mack. Let his guys play through mistakes. Let them play through turnovers. That was his MO. Let them play for bad decisions. Well, when you do that, it's hard to then say, well, but you got to play through a mistake on defense. And you got to play super hard on every possession. You can't take a possession off. If you're not going to take the guy out and you're going to let him play through Correct. a turnover or a bad decision. Then or you have to live with it. Then, yeah, you're probably not going to have that toughness and that same accountability and discipline all the time. I just think for Jim Boylan, I think it's if you were, if that team is, is bad, and they're bad. I mean, they're awful bad. And that's talent thing. I mean, the NBA is a talent league, so it, they're talent deficient. But they're awful. So he's trying to do – you can't just keep doing the same things and go, hey, guys, we're okay. Go do your 30 minutes of shoot around, and we'll be done with it. Have a good day, everybody. Well, no. if you're Jim Boylan, you should probably be thankful for the opportunity Maybe. and just shut your I'll, mouth I'll, and ride it out as long as possible and not po- get thrown out within a week of the I, locker room. That's, that's possible. That's one way to look at it. Or, or maybe you got nothing to lose. I mean, I guess. But, I, I, again, you could stay on, on staff probably for a while here because I don't know that they're in position to go out and get no, like, I mean, a good head coach right now. Yeah, so just ride out the season correct. instead of getting locked out of the locker Maybe. room three days I in. I just think that's weak on those players. But I think it's weak. I get what you're saying, and I do think this is a tough era to be coaching in because the players do hold a lot of They the hold chips. almost all in of them. In the NBA, you've seen what LeBron and some of these stars have done just in terms of dictating where players are going to go in free agency sure. and trades and no everything doubt. else. In college, it's like you don't have that type of leverage, obviously, but this is kind of what we're talking about. It's like you can be a hardo disciplinarian, but it's tough, man. You better really have a lot of respect from your guys or they're not going to respond to it at all no in this question. era. I, so I, I do it, think you're in a fair. hard spot as a coach because it's like on one hand, you want to play tougher, you want accountability, you want you want your guys to be disciplined, but you start yanking guys out when they're the best player on the team and they don't respect you and you're being too tough on them in practice. You you run the risk of losing the locker room just like you saw happen here, and I do think it is a difficult era to be coaching in for that reason. I, I think that's fair. That part I'll give you. All right. Skinny, noted jerk-off Graham Couch, a writer for the Lansing State <laughs> can, Journal can, can, can in I, Michigan. Can I stop you? To just yeah. say, how do you become a noted jerk-off? By being a jerk-off constantly and getting called out for it publicly okay. to the point that I recognize okay. your name I, for I being I just, a jerk-off. I just, I just be, I just, I just, you, know, you can be a jerk-off. I just know how you can become a noted one. No, that's all. I'm a jerk-off. Yes, you are. He's a noted gotcha. jerk-off okay. because he hasn't been called out publicly for it by people of national Gotcha. Know, yeah. He's from, the, he's from the Lansing State Journal of Michigan. So. Yeah, he didn't include Kansas, Duke, or Tennessee. You might recognize them as number one, number two, and number three in the current AP poll on his AP ballot this week because they haven't played a true road game, Skinny. In his explanation, which Couch had to give us because, you know, everyone cares, that he knows he's going to draw ire from fans. And that's why I hate even talking about this because this is what he wants. He wants the publicity from it. But it's so stupid that you have to talk about it. And he said... To avoid playing on another team's campus altogether is a sin of cowardice and ego that eventually can't be ignored. Like when we're more than a month into the college basketball season. So this week, 
I removed Duke, Kansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Texas Tech, Kentucky, Villanova, and Texas from my AP Top 25 ballot. That's number one, Kansas, number two, Duke, and number three, Tennessee, as other voters deemed this week. So clearly, I had an impact. I didn't even put them through the paces of an evaluation because while in some cases they have impressive neutral site wins, they aren't playing the same game as the rest of college basketball. They haven't yet been tested in a true road game. Skinny, should this guy just have his AP vote taken away or should he be thrown in jail? He should be thrown in jail. I don't know. This isn't the first time. This is multiple offenses. We no. told him before Here's to stop, stop, knock it off. All right. Quit being a jerk off. All right. Here's the only thing I would tell you. I don't think he needs to have his vote taken away either. You're, yes, he does. Hear me out. He should have had that happen a long time ago. I think he's, I think he's wrong, but I do think that he's at least got his own philosophy here. And, and look, that's what a vote is. I don't need group thinking a vote. I don't need your vote to be like me. I don't need you to think like me. I don't no, need but to you think need like to be you. Reasonable and think like reasonable's fine. And I this don't think is not reasonable. I don't think he's being reasonable either. This is pick but, the best basketball team. But he's got a philosophy here. It's simple. It's pick the best basketball teams. It's not come up with a stupid theory. Yeah, and that's the one thing. I, a lot of times, and, we and, didn't ask you to start penalizing arbitrarily for things that you're making up. Whenever I was asked, and I voted in the, uh, I voted the AP college basketball poll at one point. I voted in AP high school basketball polls a lot. I've done my own. High school football poll, it's not even a poll, my own ranking at Channel 12. And and for me, when I start putting teams and stacking teams, it's not – everybody likes to look at record, right? And because this team is undefeated, they move ahead of – I always do it on who do I really think, as I go down that list, beats who? Who, who do I think – and that's not always the right – formula but I think that's the way you should you should evaluate this stuff I think his point here is I think you're getting to the point with some of these bigger programs where they're just not willing to go run run the risk of a road game in December and I don't think it's a sin I do think it's silly and I do think it's it's not fair across the board but they control the cards and they can do what they want to do but yeah I, I think if you're rating teams um, I think it's a silly formula on his part but I don't think that it's egregious enough to take his vote away I think he has he has at least reasoning behind it yeah, and you want to know what those big-time programs reasoning are for not playing road games? Because the tournament on which we base all of college basketball on is on neutral sites. It is on neutral sites. So they want to play neutral sites. It makes sense. It's a totally different ball game than, a, than an away game. And they have the chips to get big crowds to show up to neutral sites. So they have the advantage of being able to play in those big neutral site arenas in the, in the non-conference while other schools don't have that benefit because they won't draw that type of crowd and track that type of dollars. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say, too, is you do get eventually in late December, Kentucky and Louisville each year is going to play on each other's home court, right? Kentucky and Carolina are usually a home-and-home. Home. I, you know, I hope Kentucky gets back to Indiana where they get to home-and-home. Home. So eventually, for some of these teams, I just use Kentucky as an example, does that. Um, you know, Villanova-Penn, I, I didn't see where that game was, but I'm guessing it was the Palestra, so yeah, I'm guessing it was, it was neutral site. So that's a big five game at a neutral site. Well, it had Penn all over the court. I mean, yeah, that's know. a good it's a home game. It's kind of a home. It is yeah. kind of a home game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I at least I appreciate the fact that he's he, he thinks his reasoning is right. No. I do think it's an attention grab. I'm not going to lie to you. It probably is. You think? I don't know what he gets out of the attention of it, though, Rick. What's the? I mean, people click on. I know who Graham Couch is. I clicked okay. on his blog. He said no to jerk off. Got the Lansing State <laughs> Journal a few more ad dollars here he for is. their AdSense. No, but skinny. It's not like these teams haven't played anyone. It's not like they're no, scheduling right. 11 I mean, cupcake Tennessee just beat games. Gonzaga. Look at UK's schedule. Look at Duke's schedule. Look at Tennessee's schedule. They're all playing good teams. They're all getting big wins. To penalize them because they didn't play true road games? This yeah, I don't think it's a stupid. sin. I don't think for him to say it's a sin and egregious is silly. That part I get. To not put them in your top 25 yeah, is okay. stupid. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, the I'll top three teams in college basketball? I'll tell you this. I don't think... 
Yeah, you can't keep them out of the top 25. You can penalize them and yes, drop them a drop few them down. spots. That's fair. Okay, that part Keep that them part out of reasonable. your top 25, the yeah. three best teams. That part's reasonable. Take his vote away. This is stupid. Quit making statements so people will click on your blog. Stop. Okay, fair enough. These are, by the way, Let me ask you this. Big J journalists that respected newspapers. Yes, but you're also... Not a quote-unquote blogger. But you're also in clickable society now, though, right? Right. So, we always have been. We always have been. So you These clicked. idiots at newspapers have always been stupid. So you clicked. I was one of them. I remember what it was like. <laughs> Skinny free agent right-hander. At, I don't even know how to say this dude's name. Adovino? Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know this guy, but apparently he's a good pitcher. <laughs> um, said he could own the babe while making an appearance on MLB.com. A babe podcast. or the babe? The babe. The babe. Quote, I had an argument with a coach in AAA about Babe Ruth's effectiveness in today's game. I said, Babe Ruth, with that swing, swinging that bat, I got him hitting 140 with eight homers. Awesome. He was like, are you nuts? Babe Ruth would hit 370 with 60 homers. And I'm like, I would strike Babe Ruth out every time. I'm not trying to disrespect him. You know, rest in peace. You know, shout out to Babe Ruth. Shout out to Babe Ruth. But it was a different game. I mean, the guy ate hot dogs and drank beer and did whatever he did. It was just a different game. Do you agree or disagree that Babe Ruth would be totally useless in today's game? Uh, see, I always have a hard time with that because it's such a different era. I mean, the dude swung a 48-ounce bat. You ain't getting a 48-ounce bat around against these dudes today. It ain't going to happen. And it's you're just, also not able to eat 48-ounce steaks and then play with today's players. <laughs> and smoke 55 black Cuban cigars and have sex with 15 different women the night before. Well, you can you could still probably do that. that probably some guys are still doing that. Yeah. Um, can't drink the beer, maybe. You know... <laughs> As goofy as I'd like to say this kid should just shut his yap and respect what Babe Ruth did, I'm not so sure he's wrong. No, he's 100% correct. I mean, it's not even remotely debatable. Can you imagine a guy... I don't even know if a guy swing 40-ounce bats today, do they? Does anybody swing a 40-ouncer? No. There's no way you can get a 40-ouncer around. Not, yeah. not, not that that even... That's not, that doesn't even begin to start. You could give him a lighter bat. The bat weight isn't the issue. He can swing a lighter bat if you want. There's new bats to give him. He, has, he can get new technology. The problem is, Skinny, guys in his era were built like you and me, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got year-round weight training now. Those it's guys, not even close. Those guys were trying to work the farm to get themselves in some shape or were working at a job in the offseason and couldn't get into shape. That's what they Really, that's what spring training used to really be for was getting those guys in shape. It's ridiculous when guys from the 80s compare their NBA and say guys like LeBron and other superstars in today's NBA couldn't hang because it was too tough and too physical for them. Those dudes would get manhandled. By today's NBA player. Oh, I don't know if they get manhandled. Jack Sigma, big old tough guy. Have you seen his toothpick arms? Dude, Jack Sigma on the turnaround jump shot, you ain't stopping it. You ain't stopping it. Turnaround face up I'm Jack Sigma jump shot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the physicality and okay. athleticism. It's such a different era just in the last 20, 30 years. Kevin McHale, kick your ass. Going, yeah, my ass, but he's not touching LeBron. Rick Mahorn's kicking anybody's ass. No, he's not. Oh, yes, no, he is. No, he's not. Rick Mahorn would set a pick that would make your teeth shatter. Well, I'm again, just saying I'm probably not the right target. Um, second of all, going I mean, going back to the 80s is a completely different ball game in terms of the athletes. No, going back, go, go watch some films. from this. I, I love watching. I'm a big ESPN classic, guys. You can imagine. Yeah, I, even, <laughs> that's even, so well, on brand. And even NBA, that is so is. on brand. And even NBA TV um, will occasionally broadcast some old like classic playoff games. I was watching one. I think it was the Sixers Trailblazers when Walton won it in the 70s. And it's amazing to watch how many guys were all right-hand dominant. It's like, I mean, go back and look at some Oscar Robertson films. And Big O, I, I'm not going to trade. The guy was great. And, and, and in his era, I, that's why you got to compare errors. That's why you can't compare no. yesteryear today. I, but you watch Oscar Robertson, it was all right-hand related. Back in 5'10 guards in and turn around and score over him at 6'5". 
and those are their highlight reels. Yes. And they're like dribbling the ball like fourth graders yes. trying to yes. learn in an instructional league. Yes. And that's their highlight. Yes, like, I know that. It's a joke compared to what we watch today. Correct. And yet fans want to argue about how good today's players would be. It's ridiculous. This this okay. kid is exact. This pitcher, Adam Ad- old man Adovino's boy, is absolutely correct. And, and that's where... Babe Ruth would be nothing today. And, and probably off a little topic here. When, when you start doing um, Hall of Fame credentials, and you especially... Um, when you're looking at guys today and, and you're looking at not, to me, you got to compare eras. You know, a guy who hit 260 homers in maybe the 70s when people were running and ballparks were bigger and it was a it was a speed game. That guy in that era might have been the greatest of that era. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. You know, a guy today hitting 430 home runs, you're looking going, well, that's a heck of a year. Well, today's era, what else did he do? I mean, was he just a one-dimensional guy who did that and that's all he did? Um, you know, may, maybe he walked up, whatever. you got to just compare era to era. And that's where you can't just look and go, well, this guy, man, his ERA was 3.89. Well, 3.89 today is a run better than it was, you know, 25, 30 years ago. You have to compare eras. So Babe Ruth in his era... The numbers are all, they're, they're absurd. It tells you the greatness. He is the greatest of, of that era, and it wasn't even a close second. I can't even make a case for a close second. Lou Gehrig, maybe. Okay, But he was that far ahead. But I, this guy, I don't think he's wrong. As much as I'd like to say, hey, young guy, shut your pie hole. I don't think you're wrong, Adam Adovino. And that's why we can... I don't know if you'd strike him out every time, but I don't think you're wrong in what he might do. I think you would. I think I would. I've I never seen at, his stuff. I looked at a couple videos of this guy today. He's got a slider that is just absurd. Okay. Like... All right. Out of this world. Is he right-handed? Yeah. Yeah, but that slider would be breaking into the bay. Babe would hit it over the short porch and right at Yankee no, Stadium. No, his slider would like hit you, the, bat. It would hit you in the kneecap okay. after you swung at it is how hard this thing <laughs> is like, moving. How did that just happen? Yeah, no. But this is why we can still have the conversation of like greatest player ever and include guys from older areas, be, eras because you can do it by dominance. How well yes. did you dominate your era yes. at that time, in my opinion? That's what makes you one of the greatest ever. Yeah. So you can still say Babe Ruth is one of the greatest and, ever. And it's like Oscar. But then, Oscar in his era dominated. Right. But it's silly to say things like a guy in 2018 isn't tough enough or physically equipped to play with guys from any other era before them because every 10 years, these guys are making Dennis Rodman would have killed LeBron James by this point. He would have literally killed him. You know, and, and honestly, Dennis Rodman is one of the the more transcendent type athletes that I would say would would work well in today's game because he's perfect for how guys play today. I'm not telling you he's he would he's he, he would he would LeBron would come down and he would try to kill him. But do you think Jordan would be dominant in today's NBA? Yes, I do. I think he was that he was that kind of player and athlete. Yes, I do. He was the first one kind of to start dominating like in terms of his physical approach, right? In yes. terms of just being a nonstop workout. And the other thing freak. too is is he got is he got older his jump shot got better i, I oh, think yeah. in today's I mean, day skill, and age, he would really work on the three the three wasn't really even a weapon for him he was a mid-range guy and it was a mid-range game then right the yeah. three was kind of a his skill was added off the charts by the end of his career yes though. yes correct that's where I, I do think that i really believe that i do too but i also think there would be a lot more guys that are physically equipped to guard him now than there were Probably. in his era. I think Kareem would still dominate. I think that, that was one of the most unstoppable shots in the history of basketball, shooting the skyhook. I don't think anybody... Now, I don't know who he guards. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the problem, right? He'd just get dunked on. I mean, physically... Well, why would he get dunked on? I think he'd get beat off the bounce. Yeah, I mean, but that's how you get dunked. I mean, he's yeah, too yeah, slow okay, to yeah. keep up with guys Maybe. dunking around. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he, he might average 45 today because he'd be playing with six, eight post guys. Well, and, and yeah, no, one play, yeah no one plays true post yeah. players hardly right. anyway. Right. So I don't know, though, man. Like Anthony Davis matching up against him, that'd be a tough matchup for him. I don't know, man. Every I mean, bit as long. That sky hook went way up in the sky, oh, brother. The, the sky hook might go in, but other than that, man, that's going to be a really difficult no matchup. No question. No question. Yeah. 
Skinny, it was a big weekend for college programs everywhere on the football field as they attempt to round out their 2019 recruiting classes. One of those players, Lloyd Summerall, a four-star defensive Old man from Summerall's Florida. kid. Old man Summerall's boy. And we're going to talk about old man Summerall. You <laughs> oh, just no. let me get oh, to no. it. They visited Gainesville. Uh, while on campus, Lloyd took one of the customary recruiting photos wearing a Gator jersey. Only his photo had a unique twist. I don't know if you saw this on uh, social media, but his father suited up in one of those new era skin tight jerseys complete with gloves and an arm sleeve to take the photos with his son that were then put on social media. Are you in or out on dressing up in the team's uniform for a photo while on a school visit with your child? It's not your visit, man. It's your kid's visit. You, did you see the picture? I though? did. Now you're going to make me look. So everybody's going to have to go look, right? We're going to have to. We're going to have to make everybody go look. Where, where can they find this? Anywhere. Just, okay. All just right. Search just it. just search Lloyd Summerall. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I mean, if you want to take the photo with your son in his, in his uni and his recruiting thing with your clothes that you wore on and put an arm around with a big smile on your face and be proud of your son, yeah, that's okay. But to try to be, oh no. <laughs> I'm looking at the photo for those that are wondering. No, sir, you didn't. No, you didn't. Explain. Explain what he looks like right now. He looks like an. He looks like an orange oompa loompa. Is what he looks What's like. What's his build like? He's what, a little what position. Would he he's be? a little portly. He would be, and he's wearing number eleven. So he's typically not a number eleven kind no, of guy. He's a right? nose tackle at number eleven. Isn't he's he? either a nose tackle or he's like the third string right guard that the coaching staff has said you got to lose twenty five pounds or I can't play you. But he's only like five eight. Yeah, well, that's a pulling guard. That's a pulling plug-and-play guard right there. Wow. Sawed-off shotgun fullback, maybe. Wow, sawed-off shotgun fullback. That's him. He's just going to keep... Honestly, he's going to cut block you until he can't cut block you any longer. The arm sleeve just makes it for me. That's the thing. That's the key. I mean, this guy is fat just (laughs) stretching out this poor arm sleeve. What are you The Jordan brand is like, no, please don't do that to us. So is that a little much for you, too? Well... (laughs) Uh, you're not going to tell me you. you if you, I mean, I would was you thinking, be mortified if your old man did what, that to you? Yes. Okay. Thank you. But my old man isn't nearly as cool as I am. So I was thinking my kid would probably be cool if I, my kid ends up being like a D two swimmer. They'd probably love me in a speedo. Oh, that'd a be a good look them. with the skull cap on. Yeah. You have to wear the skull Can cap. You on see top that? Of oh yeah, you'd be, be a good that'd look good. for you. Oh, my no, God. of course not. This is such a bad move by a dad. Why would you do this? That's probably hopefully hopefully something go. Dad, put that jersey on. I think you look cool. No, it doesn't look cool. Mr. Summerall, no. I'll tell you what. The kid seemed to be a good sport about he it. He did look. He, he laughed I about know. it on Twitter. I, Maybe because it gave him, it gives him a chip against old man now. Yeah, either that dad, or they you remember just. That, you remember the time you wore the jersey in the photo with me? Or his dad said, son, when we get home, you're getting a brand new Mercedes and <laughs> and a new uh, gaming system and a new flat screen because we just picked up the largest bag on this recruiting visit. It's <laughs> a good call. That's a very good call. I'm, that's that's a joke, by the way. I don't I insinuate that these people. No, of course not. No, I would of course never not. think that. Um, Skinny. Oh, hold on. We just yeah, our producer just gave us these uh, are. Uh, yep, the new ratings are in for podcasts, and it turns out we are the number one growing podcast talking about ghost sex in the tri-state area. There's no area. question. We love ghost sex, and we're going to keep it going right now. It's time to get a little off the beaten path today, and we are back at it with some ghost sex action. An Irish woman. What is all these stories? <laughs> okay, hang on. So far, they've Look, been in in Great Britain and Ireland. What yeah. the hell is going on? Europeans are wild, man. I told you that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but once you become the Ghost Sex Podcast, you can't go away from no, it. You when you, you gotta, find new stories, you, you gotta, gotta find keep one each it. week. Well, I mean, I, we're not finding them. They're coming to us. They're coming to us. That's true. An Irish woman who married the ghost of a 300-year-old pirate claims the couple have split up. Aww. Amanda Teague. So we had Amethyst last time. That's a ghost 
sex name. Correct. Amanda Teague is not. Amanda like, is very normal. It's very, I don't know what happened. And in fact, this lady had a previous marriage that she got divorced. She had multiple kids with the guy. Seemed normal up until the point where she divorced and married a 300-year-old that ghost. maybe where she cracked. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, anyway, she married the Haitian pirate named Jack earlier this year. Taking to social media, she said... So I feel it's time to let everyone know that my marriage is over. I will explain all in due course, but for now, I will want to say is be very careful when dabbling in spirituality. It's not something to mess with. You think? The split is another blow for Jack after he was purportedly executed for thieving on the high seas in the 1700s. Man, poor guy. Pirates of the Caribbean fan Amanda previously told the Irish Post how she spent over $5,000, actually 4,000 pounds, which amounts to over $5,000, to look like Captain Jack Sparrow, I'm Captain Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow. character in the film. Amanda had been married before and has five children with her ex-husband. If you'd like to know more about Amanda's story, which sounds like a total electric factory, by the way, her book, A Life You Will Remember, is available online. Skinny, what do you think the hardest part of being married to a 300-year-old pirate ghost is? Why do you think this relationship didn't work out? It seemed perfect earlier this year when they got married on a boat. I think the hardest thing is who's the breadwinner? He got executed for stealing. He ain't got no money. Who's the breadwinner in this family? Well, they're pirates. They just steal, right? Yeah, but he can't steal any longer, can he? But she's a pirate now, too. You marry a pirate. Captain Jack Sparrow! You become a Mrs. Pirate, you got to get in on the family biz. Like, you're part of the syndicate now. You got to hold it down. I think there's every part about who cooks dinner. He can't cook, can he? Look, you're thinking of, like, the least of my concerns. Who's raking the leaves in the fall? Who's cutting the grass? She's got to do it all. What's this cat do? This cat just hangs around, for lack of a better term. I don't know. <laughs> I think that is actually the best term. I don't think you need a better term there. I think that's appropriate. But her her post on social media where she said, I will explain all in due course, but for now, all I want to say is to be very careful. Very is in all capital letters. Yes, it is. So she really meant it. When dabbling in spirituality, Skinny, that doesn't sound to me like it was just your average, oh, he's a deadbeat dad or, or husband and he doesn't do any work around the house. Maybe he's he was not- an abusive pirate. Most are. Well, I was an abusive relationship she was trying to get out of. I'm thinking here's the real and problem. And she couldn't file a restraining order because you can't file one against the against the a ghost, can you? Here, here's my I think the biggest problem here. He's three hundred years old. Yeah, it's an old dude. He's a ghost. It's not like he can take a blue pill. You think a three hundred year old dude is getting up? The sex game's gotta be terrible. The the only thing is though, but if it if if it goes back to what he was at the time he was executed, then maybe he well, he's a three hundred year old ghost, he's technically a twenty eight year old dude. Oh, he kinda just blew my mind. I know. There. See? Maybe that's the complication for her. Maybe he was not mature. Maybe he was not a mature enough pirate. Maybe he's not a mature uh, yeah. enough husband. Maybe he was. Maybe he was nineteen when he was killed. Who knows? I thought I had this figured out. I but know. You're right. You probably if you when you become a ghost, do you get to revert back to like full full uh, potency? Here, here's the question, though. I think the biggest part is when they spoon. How does that even take effect? How can you? How does that even happen? Well, it doesn't keep you warm. It's like exactly. a cold chill. Exactly. It's worse. Worst spooner ever. Oh, you're you're hit you actually are hitting on some of the key I know. points here. See, I think. Maybe there's some reason that's why she's gonna explain all of that in, in due time. Honestly, maybe if, she wanted to spoon and he just he was incapable of it. How much longer do you think we stick with this sports charade before we just become a call in show for people with ghost sex issues? I think we're getting close. Ghost sex call in hotline. I, I think we're getting close. That's our future. I'll tell you what, here's realistic. what we'll do. For those listening to this at this point still, if you have ghost related issues, questions Hit us up on Twitter. Just hit us up. 
Yeah, and any ghost questions. Yep, at we'll, Local 12 Skinny, at Rick Broering. We'll just turn it into a ghost segment at the end of this Correct. podcast going forward. It could be a ghost sports thing. Maybe you, maybe you see ghosts in, in the outfield, perhaps. Give the people what they want. Give I think the a people ghost, what they want. I think a ghost podcast would be a nice addition to the uh, Skinny Sports Podcast <laughs> Network. Go part of the library, wouldn't it? Yep. We got Bengals, we got Reds, we got college basketball, we got our potpourri edition, the ghost edition. There are rumors, and I wouldn't want to put this out in the public if it wasn't true, but it's already out there. Jed Demusey decided to put it out there, but there's rumors he's working on a podcast for the network. Okay, I like. I'm it. interested to hear. I that. like it. He can't. T- we've already claimed the, uh, copyright infringement if you take the Ghost Podcast. Yes, Demusey. no Demusey, no Ghost sex out of you. Bud. Correct. That's our. That's our thing. Cease and desist immediately Correct. on that. That's our thing for yeah. sure. But I'm. I would. Jed's a funny guy. Jed's a very funny guy. I'd be interested to see what I, he came up I, with for. A podcast. I would be looking forward to that All very right. much. Rick, I enjoyed it as always. We'll be back in another week. I can't wait for more ghost sex stories to come. We'll, of course, have more sports topics for you both locally and nationally. It's the Skinny Podcast, the Popery edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.